Years ago, I had a young mother. She had two children trying to do things right, uh, you know, put them through, you know, a lot of sacrifice, Christian education, you know, dad works hard. And one day she called me and uh, she said, I do not know why it is, Pastor, but I constantly, constantly am worrying. And and I know what she means by that because I think all of us have things that are in the back of our brain that constantly kind of surface every once in a while and we try to subdue them, put them back here, but it's a, we'll use a, the word concern, you know, we're concerned. We have all kinds of words that describe worry, you know, and you know, we bring it back up and she said, but it's constantly right there in the front of my brain that I'm always worrying about something, and I had read a book that said, you realize that 90% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. So I thought, I'm going to try that one. You know, she was a guinea pig. <laughs> and I said, how about, you know, young preacher, you try to be real intelligent and say things that you think are really deep and profound. And so I said, why don't you try this? I said, tomorrow morning, Monday, when you start your process of worries, I said, I want you to write down everything that comes to your mind that you're worried about. I mean, if so, that she was consumed with this. She said, I'm worrying when the kids get on the bus to go to school. What if something happens? You know, this is going on. My husband's going to work. What if something, you know, and all of a sudden her mind starts going into doubts that brings confusion about things that aren't even real. It's like we try to, to simulate these things that, well, this could happen or this could happen. And it was driving her nuts. I said, write it down. Number one, this is, this is bothering me, this is worrying me. And I said, I want you every time, every time. So I want you to do that all week, starting Monday morning, right through, and we're going to meet next week. Uh, and the end of the week, I said, so do you do it? She says, yep, here's my list. And she did write it down. And she said, and I told her, at the end of each day, I want you to go through that list of 1 through 10, 1 through 20, or whatever it was that you're worrying about, and I want you to check those things that you were worried about that never came to pass that day. And she said, Pastor, it's amazing. There is not one thing this entire week that was consuming my mind that happened negatively. But it was ruining my life because I was always worrying. And so it's good for us to sit down and do a checklist of what is it that's consuming our minds, and as the King James has it, be careful for nothing. The word nothing is a deep, profound Greek word. It means nothing. Okay? That means not allowing anything to take over and consume your brain. Don't let it happen. The old English word careful, you can see the word full in its entirety that is something that you are concerned or caring for. And it is the thought of, you know, you, you, you see you know, a, a bad thing happening and, and all of a sudden you have pity and you have compassion and you're concerned for that. And there's a place for that in the scriptures. But he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not something that is to take the mind away from joy. The full of care means that the joy has left the life. And the book of Philippians is about joy. We learned that a few weeks ago. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes, and again when you want to rejoice. It is not what the Bible says. It says rejoice in the Lord how often? And again I say, like you didn't get it the first time. 
You know, again, I'm telling you, this is what we're supposed to be about. And so, you know, he says, so stop being, wor- stop worrying. You know, uh, the word anxiety is often how it's translated. You know, we, we understand that in our day and age, the anxieties, the things that are just causing our heart to beat faster and we're worried and we can't sleep at night. Do you ever have a sleepless night? Anybody here never had a sleepless night? Is a better way of saying it? We, we've all had them. And what is it that is taking that mind and making it work and churn and churn and churn that we are so, so full of care about, now follow me, that God can't take care of? Um, I told my Sunday school class, it was interesting, we, we didn't get a whole lot of Bible done today. Um, and the reason was, is there was just a whole lot of testimonies uh, going on in the class and it was a whole lot of negative, some positive, some were praises, but there was a lot of things that were absolutely bad this week. And this is in a group of 25 people in our Sunday school class. And I'm just watching, you know, we've had uh, another basement flooded, you know. We, we have another apartment building over here that has some things that need to be taken care of. And then we have this problem with co-workers over here. And then we have health problems over here. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wish we could have videoed the Sunday school class and showed it by way to show you illustration this morning. In this room, if we were to start over here, you know, start with Mike and go through, there is not one person in here this day that does not have something that is stressing you out. Uh, maybe some of you don't. Wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's there. And this is a reality. And uh, I was telling my Sunday school class, I said, it's been a while. It's interesting what we were talking about because I said, uh, I couldn't get this message together. I couldn't. I could not get this whole message together. I know what I want to talk about. I couldn't outline it. I couldn't give you that sweet three-point outline. Couldn't happen today. Sorry. So here's my outline. Careful versus prayerful. You know? You know, we are full of cares, and God says, why don't you start being prayerful instead of careful? And so I wrote down some words. Gloomness. Doubt, distrust, cynicism, suspicion, skepticism, pessimism. I mean, all of these isms that are so negative. And I'm thinking, there it is. And that's my outline for you today. Because what happens is we start going through all of the negativity that is going on around us. It affects the brain that takes away the joy of the Lord. And we're walking around moping and we're the child of the king. We're walking around kicking dirt, losing. And God's like, "Uh, have you forgotten that this isn't home? Have you forgotten that you have a citizenship that is in heaven? And that right here, what we're going through is temporary. (laughs) And by the way, you may say, well, preacher, are you trying to convince yourself today or me? (laughs) It might be a little bit of both. But, you know, yesterday, I had another man in the church. 
uh, talking to me, and uh, he and his wife shared that how he found out that their whole company is shutting down, and they're done in June. Company's moving, I think, to Germany. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, you lay off here. And all of a sudden, this is, and this is, this is the reality. And folks, this isn't fun. And you say, Pastor Carl, you know, uh, you know I, I just got news this week. And another deacon friend of mine from another church called me up and said, yep, we just took a 20% cut in pay right across the board. I was with ABWE this week. And they said, everybody's taking a cut in pay with ABWE. And they are axing jobs all over the place with, with that mission. It affects, affects missions, it affects you, it affects church. You know, folks, it may come where we have to sit down and have a fireside chat and say, guess what, we're, you know, we need, we need to pray for, for me, needs of the missionaries to be there. I, that could be a reality. But let me ask you a question. In the Bible, as you look at the early Christians, what was the heartbeat of what was going on? And what was happening as a result of that heartbeat? The heartbeat was for God. The heartbeat was for man to get saved and then minister to them, and then the church flourished. It grew. I didn't say it was rich. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what is true biblical prosperity and then the joy in the lives. Listen, folks, all of a sudden, Wall Street could go down to 1,000 next week. I hate to tell you that. If you're trusting in this bailout to bail out the problems... Oh, my friend. And guess what? Six months from now, we could have so many people having jobs and hiring and everything could be turned around and everything is just going a thousand mile an hour again. And we go through this roller coaster ride and we're, we're, you remember three years ago when you had that solid job and you know promotions were going on and you were going up the corporate ladder, you still had worries? You know what I mean? These things are, it doesn't matter whether you are in poverty or in riches, it's a reality that's going on right inside here, so therefore, the circumstances cannot bring joy. And that's what Philippians is, keep pounding at us. It's not in things. And you know where Paul was at when he wrote this. He's in jail, folks. He's in jail and he's telling the church outside of the prison bars, why don't you all rejoice? I am. Why don't you be happy and why don't you be content? Why don't you be satisfied where you're at? I am. I'm in jail. I have a jail ministry now. I get to preach to people in jail right before they're dead. I get to preach the gospel to them so they don't die and go to hell. What a great position to be in for a ministry. Maybe some of us will experience that someday. You know? The change <laughs> that's been talked about. We're, we're the bad guys. So all of a sudden we could stop. Now here's, here's where we're going to today. I wrote down some words for Carl today. And one of the key words that I brought up was the word hope in my mind. And when you see the word hope in the scriptures, it is an expectation of that which is coming. You don't have it now. Because if you can see it, it's not hope. Right? You know that verse? So here we are, and we're thinking futuristic. What is it that drives me through the waters, the tribulation waters, to get to the other side? What gets me through those problems? It's hope. It's not what I'm in. It's where I'm heading to. And that God is with me in the midst of the waters. 
while I have all this rushing water upon me, trying to knock me down, trying to drown me, trying to get me eliminated, guess what? My focus is on the Lord and what I have in the future. So if while I am here in the midst of that troublesome water, I begin to say God and I begin to look up and I begin to pray, something miraculously happens inside of the mind. Be anxious, careful for nothing. But instead, in everything, why don't you go to God in prayer? And to ask God to supply. In other words, if you have a specific need, have you been specific with God about that specific need, or are you general in your prayer? Well, if you're not specific, do you mean it then? You know, little kids, they're specific. Candy. You know? Pat, Tic Tacs. You know, they learned that at one and a half years old. They know the word Tic Tac, Pat. You know? They know what they want. And if we come to God knowing what we want, you know, he tells us, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? Hears us. If we know that he hears us, then we will have the petitions that we are desiring of him. God doesn't want to hold back the true spiritual blessings for you and I. He is our heavenly father that knows how to give gifts much better than our earthly fathers ever could have imagined. He loves us more. And so God wants to send down that comfort, that help, that peace that comes into our heart. So that's where we're heading to. So we pray. And we start getting specific, asking God to supply, the supplication type prayer. And here's the, here's the one that always gets us, we fast forward over it. Now be careful for nothing, but by prayer, and in that prayer he says, and be thankful. Ooh, I can't be thankful. This is bad. Hence, no peace. Huh? In other words, don't you think that God is trying to give us the recipe for peace? If he's trying to give us the recipe of how to get peace then what God's trying to say is, I'm going to show you how to do it. And so this prayer in God supplying, God ministering and prayer general, then all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, we begin to say, God, you're teaching me. We become thankful through this whole circumstance. And when we become thankful, we become worshipful. And when we're worshiping, God is glorified. But if we're closing off our prayer and saying, God, Boy, I hate going through this. Boy, this is miserable. I don't know why I'm going through this. I, don't, I deserve better than this. Well, guess what? You're, you're never going to have peace with that kind of an attitude in prayer. You stop and say, Lord, you have something really big. Here's how we do it, folks. In, in, in our lives as Christians, we are so narrow-minded or looking down this little tube and we see this little spot of time where we are. God isn't that way. God sees the day we were born and he sees the day that we die. He sees our end. And he knows what is coming right past this. And I'm going to tell you by personal experience, the days that I, or weeks I should say, that I am tested the most, the most temptation, the most times when you just want to throw the towel in. Is your preacher allowed to admit that? <laughs> the days that it's just like, oh, it is right after that when we start seeing why. It's not in the midst of the darkness. You have to get through that darkest time and then all of a sudden you look at it and you say, there it is. 
Now I understand. And I think sometimes we won't see it until we finally get into heaven, folks. I hate to tell you that. We may not fully understand the tribulation, the trials, and the things that we're concerned about now. But guess what? There is light, and it is what we have to look forward to. So let's stop looking at poor me in this little hole, and I, uh, nothing's going good around me. Everybody hates me. They don't like me. I'm a Christian. Nobody knows us, and we go through the boohoo booth. And then all of a sudden, we start worried about our finances, worry about our job, worry about all these things. And before long, we're locked into absolute depression, and we don't want to get out of our basement. We're all locked in. And God says, how can you be used if you are dwelling in darkness? Get out of the darkness. All the, before long, you're in this little hole, and you're ready to commit suicide. This is real. I mean, if you're suicidal right now, get out of it. Get over yourself. Your kids love you. You got a whole building here. And listen, everybody look around right now. I want you to do it, literally. Look at all these people that are here. Do you know them? They chose to be here. They chose to come here and worship with you. They're not your enemy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, you know? And the person next to you, they're a nice guy. And you might, at the end of the service, say, by the way, we've been sitting beside each other for six months now. My name is. And you might actually get to know a friend. And before long, you're praying with each other. Praying, talking about needs and things that are going on in your lives. Before long, you've encouraged yourself. And before long, you're being used by God. But if you're in this little hole, it's like, nobody loves me, nobody cares. I'm going to sit in my corner and just show everybody that they don't, they're not, not nice Christians and they don't like me. You're never going to get it, man. Get out of that mindset. Full of cares. Full of worries. Full of, am I accepted? Full of all these things that we're so burdened about. Stop. Pray. Once you have prayed, God says, after the prayer comes the peace. So here we are. Waters are rushing all over us. You know, we're trying to get hope. So we begin to pray. And what happens is something that goes against nature. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, it is not a peace that is generated from within. He doesn't say peace of mind, period. The peace that comes from God that begins to pass the understanding of the human reasoning. Death is a horrible thing to go through. Some of you have lost moms and dads. Some of you haven't yet. Some of you have lost siblings. Some of us haven't yet. We've lost dear... Matter of fact, we were, we were down uh, Chipsy and we're driving Middle Road and uh, saw the place where uh, my buddy Mike Carrico was in his accident. And uh, I look over because they have a beautiful cross there and I always drive by it and I think of Mike. And Lori, it's like, you miss him. Oh, I do. A lot of people I miss... And it's hard. And probably one of the darkest times, of the time that I was just full of cares and beginning to freeze, and I had no peace in my heart and mind, was right after I lost my dad. It was 92. And, and you say, what was it? Did you cry at the funeral? Nope, very, very little. When we went up around the casket, you know, uh, I cried a little bit with my brother and sisters. Uh, Mom was there. I cried a little bit there, and that was it. 
But I tell you what, there were some things that were going on in my mind that I wasn't showing. I was kind of tore up inside. And the further I got away from that time period, the more I missed my dad. The more it was bothering me. But here's what I want to teach you today. And I, gotta, I, 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 I want to bring this to a place, folks. How is it then that God can take a worry, concern, a void, something that's going on in your life, and to take it out, you must pray. You must be sincere in your prayer and not generic. You need to be specific, folks. As we mentioned at the men's retreat, and I thank God that this is burning in some of the hearts and minds of the people here, is it? it goes beyond, I'll pray about it, folks. It goes beyond, I'm just going to pray about it. And the point was, I think it's time for us to fast and beg God about it. And we have Christians that are not giving this to God through prayer. We're pulling books off the shelf, another book off the shelf, another Christian book off the shelf, and no change. Did you notice that? If the first book would have worked, we wouldn't need a second one. That, you, know, you know what I'm saying? If the first shrink book from the Christian would have fixed the anxieties, book two would not have been needed. So we have a book that cannot be surpassed that actually gives us the answers. So why don't we go to this one and say, okay, that makes sense. You say, okay, let's make it work then. Okay, so we begin to pray. Waters are coming, and a miracle starts to come inside. And I hate to tell you this, but the waters keep coming. The waters haven't given up. The problem's still there. The people are still there. You got people, you got problems, you know? All of a sudden, these things, these anxieties, this work, and this pressure over here, and kids are doing this, and all this pressure that's going on, and all of a sudden you say, ah, and you begin to cry to God. And what happens is this. The miracle of prayer is that you didn't change God's mind. He's still the same. You say, oh, that's what prayer is for. You're confusing me, preacher. I thought my prayer was supposed to change God's mind. Uh-uh. No, prayer is about God changing your mind. Because obviously your thinking isn't working. So all of a sudden, God has to step in and say, have you thought about this? And by the way, God works through the conscience. Okay, God, the Holy Spirit works through the conscience. That's why we dealt that with that a couple weeks ago. So we begin to pray, and God starts to reveal to you things. All of a sudden, you start praying, and you get sincere with your prayer, and he says, oh, don't, don't forget about that person you hate at church. Go get it right. And then let's talk again later on. You mean I got to get right with people? Uh, it helps. <laughs> you know, love your brother, you know, that brotherhood thing. You know, agape, you know, it helps. And then all of a sudden, you know, we got sin in our life. You know, we're doing things we ought not to. And all of a sudden, you mean I got to confess my sin? Uh, yeah, it helps. If you want to have peace here, you got to do it my way. And all of a sudden, we start praying, and God starts revealing that what the problem is, is my heart wasn't right with God. It wasn't everybody else. 
It was me after all. Oh, now it's all lifted off of me because I've got my heart right with God. I've got my heart right with man. And now I'm able to love God, love my neighbor as myself. And all of a sudden, begin this, this burden that's been on you is now lifted. Now all of a sudden, we're starting to get a little lighter here. So we begin to say, Lord, thank you so much for this. I worship you. Oh, we're getting even a little lighter here. And before long, a miracle starts happening inside of your heart and mind. You start getting peace in the midst of the tribulation. It's still there, folks. We aren't in heaven yet. And until we're in heaven, he tells us we are born for troubles. We are born for all kinds of bad situations. So the waters come, and yet we have peace. We're thrown in jail, we still have peace. Can you imagine Paul and Silas? There they are, shackled to the walls, dirty, rats all over the place, and then they're singing hallelujah to God. I will praise him. I will praise him. And now they're shouting praises to God, and everybody's like, these guys are nuts, aren't they? They told us about those kind. And before long, though, the earthquake comes and the miracle comes. That's God stepping in. All of a sudden, they come over and say, okay, whatever you got, I need it. And that's because of peace with God, of God, in the midst of tribulation. And then all of a sudden, we're able to be a great witness. And that prayer is ultimately answered. Folks, I wish I could say that every time you pray for a negative thing that's happening in your life, that God's going to just say, oh, poor baby. I'm just going to wipe that right out of your life. But the problem is, we'd never grow up, would we? We'd never really learn to trust Him. So God says, no, I'm going to give you a big, big problem here. And then the big problem is going to get us onto our knees that we can finally have a proper relationship with God and talk to God. How much would we pray to God if we didn't have problems? If we didn't have worries, burdens, concerns? So He says, you pray, and then the peace of God, the miracle that comes inside of the mind that passes the understanding that will be of the world will keep two parts, the hearts and minds, and it's through the person of Christ, it's not through people. You see this? The peace comes from Jesus Christ himself. John 14, 27. Peace I leave unto you, not as the world giveth unto you, in other words, there is a peace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ because He meets the needs of the mind. Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee. Now notice, because He trusted in Thee. So in the midst of the water, the problems are coming, and you're like going, getting ready to get knocked over. All of a sudden, we trust the Lord, we pray to God, and He creates a stability, and we don't quit. We don't quit in our mind, and we persevere through this whole tribulation, through this trial, which is going to, according to Romans 5, give us an experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, and we start bragging about what God did in our lives in the midst of our troubles. I hope you get that. Get the tape. You need... This is what it is. It's, it's not about you in the tribulation. It's about you glorifying God in your tribulation. And then when see, people see, man, look at all he's going through, and he's still smiling, 
All of a sudden, it's like, what is it? How can he have that peace? And it's not a generic, you know, superficial. This is deep-rooted because it's day in and day out. I was thinking of dear saints. I was thinking of uh, little Treve Kaufman. When she had that cancer and she was smiling in that hospital, I was there with Wayne, I will not forget her testimony through that all. Powerful, powerful testimony she had through that whole time period. And I could go through a list of others that I was thinking in my mind. At the deepest, darkest time, that shadow of death, when it really comes down to it, they were real. And they gave me their testimony. They gave me and showed me their faith. And I'm not, not forget what Dennis said when, when this was all found out. Her son, Dennis Witt, was, uh, we're trusting God's word what the answer was. Because guess what God's word says? If she passes, she gets to go home to be with the Lord where there's no more problems, no more tribulation. Now, let's get the thoughts going in the right direction. Verse 8. Finally. This is, this is like the theme. This is the conclusion. Okay, here it is. If we're going to sum this whole thing up, I want you to see the last phrase of verse 8. Think on these. Not what ifs. Not your doubts. Not your distrusts. Not in people. Think on these type of things. The things that are true versus a lie. Things that are noble or honest, upright. Things that are just the quality there of God. Things that are pure. Thoughts of holiness. Things that are lovely. The things that have a good report. Not the news. Not even Fox. If there is anything that is virtuous, if there is anything that is worthy of praise, think on those things. Think on them. So all of a sudden, our mind, as we go through life, goes towards this, the cynical, the negative things that are going on in our lives, and it's half full at best. Everything is poor me. I've been around people, honestly, they have been healed of cancer, and there's still something negative in their lives. I'm like, what else does the Lord need to do to get joy in your life, man? Well, it could come back. I know I can go back. Can't you rejoice in the moment? There's nothing stopping and saying, guess what? Today, right now, everything's good. I'm satisfied. I'm content. Distrust. This negative. Surely something negative is going to happen. So a wife says to her husband, honey, I love you with my whole heart. And he says, yeah. And he's thinking, for some reason, I don't trust you. <laughs> Honey, I married you. Yeah, I know, but surely, surely you're going to have an affair with somebody. And there's, this is a true story. <laughs> I, I tell you this. There's this one, this one gal. She come up, she goes, how do, I build tr how do I assure my husband that I love him? I'm like, you, how long have you been married? Probably about 12 years. 
I'm like, okay, why do you know, think he doesn't trust you? Well, every time I go to the grocery store, he runs out to the car and checks the odometer, writes down the mileage, and when I get home, he writes it back down and does the math to see if she actually went to the grocery store or if she went somewhere else. True story. I'm like, mister, you've got to get a life. <laughs> I'm so he's all worried over here trying to catch her to prove. See, I told you you didn't love me. And, you know, she decides to go to Goodwill, you know, and buy something, you know. But still, he's saying, oh, you're out doing something. How can a guy go through life worrying and really have any kind of relationship with the Lord when everything is negative and doubts and confusions and what ifs and you might be doing? There is, there, that's not the way you live, folks. You're living that way, get a life. Because love believeth all things. Love believes all things. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love believes. And there's a trust versus distrust that has to develop because if you're going through a life of distrust, you are always going to be worrying about something. And you're never going to have a peace in your mind. You're, listen folks, you're doing it to yourself. That's what I'm trying, that's what, I finally came to a grip of what this message was about. I couldn't get it. You're doing it to yourself. That's what God's trying to say. You're doing it to yourself. You're worrying and you don't have to. Quit it. Let it go. You know, it's okay. They're still married, by the way. They're doing better. Kids are growing up, uh, doing a mission trip not too long from now. I don't know if we ever got over it, but she was driving him nuts because he was worrying about nothing. And he was always trying to scheme, trying to find something. That's not Christianity, folks. It's not critical. And we stop worrying. Trust me. God says in, 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 in Matthew, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. This is Carl's paraphrase. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know why? Because tomorrow is going to have enough worries in and of itself. There's a whole lot of evils going to happen tomorrow, let alone you worrying about what ifs. So why don't you stop and say, wow, Lord, today it is good. We got food. We got a house. Might not be there next month. But we got a house today. Bills are paid. The kids are safe. They're healthy. We got a church family. Oh, I love to go to church. I love to see the smiling faces, hear the choir, worship and sing. I love to talk to people. And they're friendly. And all of a sudden we see this community that means something. Because folks, we need each other. And some of you, when you're going to leave, you're going to say, Preacher, but I still may lose my job next week. And I understand that. <laughs> I could lose mine too, you know. <laughs> Never know. We walk by faith, day at a time. So let's stop worrying. Pray. Let God change the mind. You have a peace in the midst of your tribulation that passes all understanding, that keeps the hearts and minds through Christ. And start getting the thought life going right. Don't speculate. You, we've seen what speculation can do the last couple of years in the market. 
based on no truth at all. Well, this could happen over here, so let's go ahead and gouge it $10 a barrel today. Why? Well, it didn't happen, but that's okay. We got $10 more a barrel. Speculation doesn't work. It's based on truth, honesty, lovely things, pure things. And we start thinking about truth. And all of a sudden, before long, your mind starts thinking, if you want to put Jesus beside each one of those words, Christ fulfills. He is the way, the truth, and the life. His pure honesty. He is the one that is just and the justifier. He is pure, holy. We will worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I love that verse. And everything you think of when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ is lovely. And the things are of a good report. The things that are virtuous, the things that are worthy of praise. Folks, we have to change the way we're thinking. We are self-destructing. I don't know if you needed this one today. I might have needed this one today. Because folks, we're all in it. We've got an awesome God. And our God, the other day my wife and I were driving down, going through the winding roads of Pennsylvania, and this bird decides to fly over in front of the car. I guess it was on a suicide mission, you know. <laughs> Whack! You know, and of course the guy said, whoop, there's one dead, isn't it? You know, you hope it's not on the grill up there, you know. And I got spiritual for a moment, though. I said, Lori, I want you to think about what Matthew says. That every sparrow, when it falls, God knows it. And all of a sudden, we're thinking, God knows. If he's concerned about a sparrow, don't you think he's more concerned about you? And don't you think he wants to give you that peace? He can. Father, May your will be done through this invitation. Thank you for this wonderful congregation and their willingness to listen to a preacher share his heart today. The worries and the burdens that are upon us are real. Lord, we pray for peace. May you work. May you help. Will you perform the miracle that you have promised to give us as a result of sincere prayer the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name.